With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You know, it's funny because the last two games, these teams, last two times these teams faced each other, Niners embarrassed them. I know, but they're missing a lot of O-linemen, though. Missing everyone. I know, dude. I'm so excited for the practice squad players. Yeah, I, I'm sure, because you know them all from college. Got it, fella. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the awesome NFL strategy show, showdown edition on this wonderful Thursday, November 5th. I'm Dave Lochran. With me, as always, every Monday, every Thursday, this is where you got to be 10 Eastern time every morning because we're making it happen. Myself, and Matt Gajeski taking a look at maybe the most heinous game we've seen all season, or at least the toughest to dissect. Because Matt, correct me if I'm wrong. We've had a we've had a couple of ugly games thus far. Uh, New York Jets, Denver Broncos being one of them, but they all turn out to be relatively fun. So I'm actually looking forward to this disgusting mess of an NFL football game. I think this one sets up to be very fun. We have a lot of practice squad level players, some <laughs> former college superstars. Never heard that in one. You never heard that together. This is going to be really fun. Just a, a slew of practice squad players. Oh, man, it's going to be exciting. There's a lot of fun dudes on the slate. And I think one thing that can't go overlooked is the roster construction from just a DFS standpoint. It's going to be really fun, too. You can basically play whoever you want with some of the value we have. So it's going to lead to some really interesting builds and I think some fun ways to approach this slate and get contrarian. Cody Sheridan says, going to be a great day. No cap, Laffy. Yeah, you know what? We got to mix things up. Maybe it'll bring us some good luck, Matt. Maybe some good stuff's going to happen. You did, You went without a hat yesterday, too. I went hatless on the Sunday deeper dive. You know what? Take that hat off. Take that hat off. Let, <laughs> there you go. Let's, let's make it happen. A hatless show. We've got so much to get into, though. And uh, about 40 or so minutes to do it. Matt, I, I guess we can kick it off. We can start off by saying, well, we're happy to have you guys with us. I almost forgot to say that. Always try and get that in. Uh, we love doing this every morning. Love having you guys join us. Uh, make it part of your routine. If you haven't subscribed to the channel yet, uh, help us get to 50,000. It's good for both of us. Uh, we'll show up more in the recommended feed. You'll always know when we have new videos dropping. Uh, and it'll help us re-expand our reach and, and, you know, continue to be able to do free content and get it to more people. So uh, if you like the show, if you like what we do here, really, if you don't, don't subscribe. But if you do enjoy and appreciate what we do here, hit that subscribe button and hit that thumbs up button. It helps us greatly. So the the spread on this game is five and a half points. Or so, sorry, was five and a half points. It opened at three and a half, went to five and a half. Now we're sitting at seven and a half, Matt. The total uh, opened at 52. It's down to 48. I, when I saw five, 
uh, I hit it pretty hard because while 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 Kyle Shanahan is very good at you know trying to to improvise and and draw up quality off or offensive plays on short passing throws end arounds, making it so he doesn't put too much um, too much emphasis on his quarterback's arm. It still seems like this could be an extreme uphill battle for a San Francisco 49ers team that is decimated by injuries uh, and COVID-19 and pretty much anything bad that could happen to a football team. I mean, where do we want to start? Do we, do we want to start with the skill players? Do we want to start with the offensive line, the quarterback, the defense? So I think this is where we'll start. Just get your general. Well, let's zoom out. We'll take a 30,000 foot view on this real quick. Just your general opinion, your diagnosis on how you think this game goes. Because we're throughout the throughout the show, we're going to hit on a number of different ways that it could play out, right? You always talk about it. We both do. You got to tell a story with showdown slates. Uh, if you told a story about the Bucks beating the shit out of the Giants last week, well, <laughs> wrong story. And I certainly got that one wrong. But uh, we're, we're going to hit on a bunch. But it, it, what do you think the most likely outcome is here? And who do you like to, to cover this game? And do you like the total or do you like it to go under? Man, I'm the luckiest fish in the world because I liked Green Bay right when it opened and I took it at three and a half. Oh, man, even better. Yeah, so that, that was just pure luck. But I liked Green Bay when they were at, we had San Francisco presumably at full strength. We get the Kittle, the Garoppolo news, and then the COVID situation. Now they're over seven point touchdown favorites. I still like them by the spread with that. I mean, as we'll get to, they're essentially playing a practice squad team. Yeah, they are. Uh, it's it's sad. So let's do this then. You talked about starting off with with skill players, or we're gonna we're gonna dissect all of that. So why don't you give us and and everyone that's just jumping into the room, jumping into the show, why don't you give us the rundown on non skill players? Not talking about quarterbacks either. Non skill players, linemen, defensive players that you think are going to place a big emphasis on how this game shakes out. We'll start with Green Bay, uh, if there's anybody here on either side. So we'll start with Green Bay's offense, whether it be the line, and then San Francisco's defense. Once we get to the Niners' skill players, we'll talk about their offense and, of course, the Green Bay defense. Go ahead. Yeah, for non-skill players, I don't think there's too much on Green Bay's offense. David Bakhtiari and Rick Wagner on the offensive line are both questionable. They've been practicing on a limited basis. It's kind of been what they've been doing all year. They should go... On defense, Green Bay is even weaker than normal. They're already a defense that we want to exploit on a weekly basis. They're down their number two corner, Kevin King, and Kamal Martins on the COVID list. He's only played a couple games for them, but he's their best linebacker. They already put Christian Kirksey on injured reserve, so they were counting on Kamal Martin a lot, and that just helps, the, I guess, the run game for San Francisco. All right, so the Green Bay Packers run game is, is one spot that I think we need to start with. Then we'll break down the, the, the wide receivers in the quarterback position. But as far as Green Bay goes in the backfield, you're looking at some serious question marks here. Jamal Williams is out because of close contact with a player who has COVID-19. Also a running back in A.J. Dillon. They are both sidelined. That leaves us with a questionable Aaron Jones, who is a legitimate, based on Matt LaFleur's statements earlier, a legitimate game time decision. And then Tyler Irving, which is, he's gotten some work this season. Uh, He's definitely run some routes and been a little bit more involved than you would think. But I don't know how much opportunity he's going to get on the ground. 
and then a big-bodied running back in Dexter Williams, who they lifted from the practice squad, Matt. I think they probably would have brought in another runner, at least maybe another practice squad guy, if Aaron Jones wasn't going to play. So trying to read the tea leaves, I, I don't think they would go into the game with just two backs active. They have before, but generally NFL teams will roster three on game days. That's, I think, presumably a little optimistic, but I think Aaron Jones probably does play. If he does, he's going to be one of the best plays on the slate as a seven point, seven and a half point favorite here. If he's out, I think we see a direct timeshare between Williams and Irvin. And you did a good job breaking it down. Irvin's more of a pass catcher. He runs a lot of routes out of the slot. Dexter Williams is your big body, two down grinding back. I will say, though, Seattle last week, didn't they only have two backs on the active roster with Carlos Hyde and, and Chris Carson out? No, they had Nick Ballore. They did. Okay, so they did actually bring a third back up. Okay. Yeah, he's kind of a fullback type guy, but they used him as a pure runner. Because I'm just, I don't know, I, I guess I, I can appreciate your optimism. I'm just not as convinced that Aaron Jones plays on this short week. Uh, oh, I'm not convinced either. It just, yeah. If Okay, so let's do this then. If he does play, we'll go, we'll play the, the what if game. We'll go by scenarios here. If, if Aaron Jones is active, San Francisco hasn't allowed a hundred yard rusher this season, but they've also been carved up through the air and, and, and they, they, their defense has not been nearly as competent as it was last year. I mean, it's, it's, it's not even remotely close. And a lot of that is the result of injuries, Bosa, Sherman, and more. They've allowed, um, a couple hundred yard games on the ground, but no hundred yard rushers. And in the passing game, that's where they've been carved up pretty uh, quite a bit, particularly as far as passing touchdowns go. But if Aaron Jones is active, knowing that green Bay is already limited on receivers, competent ones. And I don't know what the case of with Alan Lazard is either. Do you like Aaron Jones a lot here as the third highest price player behind only Devonte Adams and Aaron Rodgers? Yeah, I like him a ton. And it's not just because, the Packers are seven point favorites. I know the matchup is not great for him on the ground, but Aaron Jones, he's a phenomenal pass catcher. So even if say he can't get anything going on the ground, he's seen at least three targets in every game this year, upwards of, you know, seven, eight targets in some spots. They'll use him as a receiver too, which just helps his floor. And on this type of slate, I think he's a fantastic play if active. Yeah, I think so too. I can only imagine that he's going to be used uh, excessively as a, as a pass catching back as well, because Aaron Jones has been used in that capacity before, uh, you know, a lot. And Jamal Williams in the two games that he started had 11 total targets. But when you look at some of the other games that Jones and Williams have both been active, Matt, they've both been worked into the passing game. So now with Jamal Williams, the clear number two back, I mean, it's not a timeshare when they're both healthy, but it's certainly a, a position where if Aaron Jones gets in trouble early or struggles early, where we've seen Jamal Williams uh, take over the lion's share of that backfield. As a matter of fact, it's happened once or twice this season. But knowing that Aaron Jones has been targeted uh, in, what, five games, 28 times, that's almost six targets per game. You can only think that with, with Jamal Williams already out, that he gets even more involved, unless, of course, Tyler Irvin uh, is more active in the passing game. But it also, I think, comes down to Alan Lazard. I don't mean the rant here, but there's so many uncertainties that I'm trying not to miss any of them. No, I, I don't think you've missed any so far. You're, I think, on everything with Green Bay. It's a really tough team to target right now. We'll obviously have a ton of late news. 
like our live before lock stream tonight is going to be absolutely crucial. You need to watch that to see who's actually playing. Mm, but absolutely. But I, I think the running back room is pretty cut and dry in these two situations. If we have Aaron Jones playing, he's probably going to see most of the work. They wouldn't play him if he wasn't healthy. They're seven point favorites with the uncertainty of him, him not playing. If he's not fully healthy, I think we see a timeshare between Irvin and Williams. Okay. Yeah, I would assume so. And I would think that Williams gets some goal line work. Um, I, I would think, though, that Tyler Irvin is on the field. Correct me if I'm wrong or if you think I'm wrong, but I would assume that he's on the field a lot more than Dexter Williams based solely on his ability to catch passes, uh, and and that would prioritize him, I think, at $200 here. That, that's the crazy thing. He's $200 in the utility. Dexter Williams is also $200. I could see a, 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 I could see a scenario play out easily where Dexter Williams vultures two touchdowns, but it's not lost on me that last week they had opportunities to do that at the goal line and went to Devontae Adams. You know, there are ways that they can just completely negate the run game down there uh, in goal-to-go situations because of players like Adams, even guys like Robert Tunyon. Who do you like more than or, or more between Irvin and Dexter Williams, and, and what's your breakdown for that uh, diagnosis? I like Tyler Irving more, and I think you have to because he's the guy that's been active on game days. Dexter Williams, is, he's only been active one time this year. He only appeared in four games last year. He had five carries yeah, five carries for 11 total yards. He's been extremely unproductive, even going back to his time in the preseason. Now, Tyler Irving is mostly playing a pass-catching role. He's actually run a lot of routes out of the slot, but they will bring him into the backfield quite a bit. He runs a lot of those t- like end-around type plays. And Green Bay really values pass blocking. It's why Jamal Williams often gets on the field here too. That's been a struggle for Dexter Williams throughout his career. I think, like you mentioned, Tyler Irving probably sees a majority of the snaps. Is Tyler Irving the goal line back? That's something I'm not sure about. Right, me neither. Any interest in playing the two of them together? Uh, presumably the answers are resounding no, because I don't think you even need to, even if you wanted to. That's such, like, I don't know. I, I, I Go ahead. Yeah, so I think that's a big thing with this slate. I don't think we need to play two min price guys, but in the sake of just trying to build a contrarian lineup, you know, like with Tyler Irving, Dexter Williams, a few guys on the 49ers, Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones, Aaron Rodgers, they're going to be like 80% owned. I know. Yeah, actually, we can pull the ownership up right now, Matt. Uh, Go to awesomeo.com if you want to check that out. Uh, we don't have any promo codes running right now. If you missed the pumpkin one, it was a, it was a great opportunity, but we already have uh, a ton of really great deals, especially if you're big in the showdown, but you love playing all the main slates, the afternoon slates and all of that stuff too. For $3 and 95 cents a week, you can grab our express package, which now includes all of our showdown content, uh, ownership projections, player projections, the top players tool, uh, which is really important for showdown. You, you'll see what you, you'll see. I, let me see what's free today. But it's, it's less than $4 a week. And on top of all the main slate content and, and afternoon stuff that we have, you know, all the, all the uh, other slates, all of our showdown stuff is included in that for $3.95. Uh, and today our showdown projections are actually free. So are the NFL rankings for week nine and the MMA top fighter tool. So check that out if you haven't been over there. But um, we have something for everyone, man. Uh, less than $4 a week for all the showdown content, all of the other stuff already included in that, the Express Top Stack Tool, Express Lineup Builder. Uh, and then if you just want to go all out, 
for all of the sports. Get the Awesome o Plus Platinum weekly, monthly, annual. It doesn't matter. We got something for everybody's budget. Go to awesome.com slash join. All the tools built by the number one DFS player in the world. They are his tools. We don't just slap his name on it. It's the real deal. He uses them. We use them. And that's why so many people have had such good success uh, because I believe these are the preeminent tools in the industry. Okay, so where was I at? Talking, uh, what was I talking about, Matt? We were talking about ownership and how the fact that there we have go. multiple men guys could lead to a lot of Adams, Rogers, and Aaron Jones ownership if active. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, the ownership, geez, this is some, oof, this is insane ownership on these guys. And I guess, I guess that should, should be expected here. So right now the, we updated this 20 minutes ago. So it's our most recent run of ownership projections. Devante Adams is at 87%. 31 in the captain spot is insane. That is an absolutely astronomical number. Rodgers at 69%, 20% in the captain spot. I mean, it doesn't get any wilder than that. Then you have a com- combined 50% captain spot per, uh, between Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, these project Aaron Jones out. If Aaron Jones is in, I, I think he'll probably rise to 50 or so percent too, wouldn't you think? Wait, not in the captain. You're talking about just overall. Yeah, utility, utility, yes. Yeah, I would absolutely think so. There's in no the cap- George Kittle. There's not even any Brandon Ayuk. There's no Debo Samuel. Uh, And more importantly, there's no number two receiver on the Packers that garners any significant target share. It's true. Does Alan Lazard potentially returning change this? Maybe. It's still really uncertain whether he plays. Last I saw, he posted a picture on Instagram of him on the team's flight. They don't have to activate him until later today, so we just flat out don't know. It's one of these holes with the new IR rules that I don't particularly like. The short-term IR is only three weeks. They can practice, but they don't have to be listed with a designation on their injury report. And they can be activated all the way up till I think it's like 4 p.m. Eastern time on game day. So we legit will have no idea if Lazard is even going to be off injured reserve till later today. It's confirmed, like you said. He traveled to, to San Francisco. I just don't necessarily know what that means. We've seen it many times where players travel with the team and end up not playing, end up not being activated. If he does, if he is active, yeah, I think that I think it makes a, a difference, a marginal difference, but I don't think it impacts somebody like Devontae Adams, to be honest with you. Um like Alan Lazard with Adams out has seemingly been the the go-to guy for for Aaron Rodgers, but really it's been Aaron Jones, uh, and they've just done everything they possibly can in the backfield to move the ball, which has worked for them uh in a variety of spots this season and last year. Uh, ultimately, though, Matt, if, if Alan Lazard is healthy, are you willing to to pay for him? He's 11-1 if you want to throw him in the captain spot, and he's 7,400 in the utility on DraftKings. Yeah, I'm definitely willing to get to him. I think he's just straight up a better player than Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Marquez Valdez-Scantling has had a pretty good target share with Devontae Adams active. Like, he has eight and five target games mixed in there. So I think you can certainly look to a secondary pass catcher for Green Bay. I think Alan Lazard is probably the best of the bunch. And I think he's going to provide more leverage today than he normally would based on the pricing structure we had. So I'm trying to find leverage in unique ways. I think playing a lot of Lazard, maybe even captaining him. So say you captain Lazard, you can just jam in all the studs around him because we have 50% of captain ownership going to Adams and Rogers, another nearly 20% going to Mullins and Hasty, just playing like the number two receiver on Green Bay at the captain gives you a lot of leverage. 
Yeah. Outside of that game against Detroit where Devontae Adams got hurt, all three of his targets came in the second quarter. He's been targeted 17, 10, 16, and 11 times uh, in the remaining four games that he's played this season. The captain spot ownership is insane. His overall ownership is insane. Is that going to get you away from, from him in the captain spot? Do you not care? Because there's no doubt about it. One With 100% certainty, I can say Devontae Adams, in some form or fashion, will decide the direction of this slate. Because I don't envision there being a spot where it's like you don't have him and, you know, it doesn't really matter or you do have him and it doesn't really matter. I think it's either you don't have him and you and it helps you immensely or it kills you and vice versa. That's at least how I feel based on what we've seen from him this season. I think you absolutely need him. And this is my personal take. There's always merit to fading guys like this. I just don't know like the opportunity cost today, who are you playing instead? Right. There's just no one on the slate with his opportunity. So I think you eat it. You play him at utility. Maybe you get a different captain could be a way to do this, or you just play him at captain and you find a way to get contrain around him. There's a lot of players, especially on the 49ers that will get to near the minimum price, not carrying a lot of ownership just because they're relatively unknown. And we know where ownership is going to be. It's going to be on these big time Packers. It's so nuts because normally if you're trying to roster Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams, it's going to be very difficult. You can do it maybe, but you have to throw a defense in there. Uh, You'll have to throw uh, a kicker or something in there. You have to go super cheap with someone you're not really fond of. But now with the pricing on some of these guys, based on the injuries that we've seen, based on the COVID-19 absences, and then if Aaron Jones is, is, is is on the shelf it, it it adds to that even more with two minimum salary running backs it's really easy to get to Devonte adams and aaron Rodgers. extremely easy and again i think this is one situation where i mean i don't feel great about it but i think we just got to eat it like i just don't know who else we play <laughs> so I'm, I'm building a lot of you and i i think at the end of the show let's just build one we'll assume it's for you know, single entry tournaments or something uh, and see where we come in at. But I think no matter what, we're going to have, and, and, and I think you're going to get a, a good amount of overlap today, but, you know, that's any showdown slate. The, the reason I asked you about Adams, though, is like, I, I agree. You absolutely need him. Uh, it's just, like, what are the chances that Adams doesn't finish as the captain or uh, as the as the best captain? What are the chances that he doesn't finish as the uh in in the top six or something like that and amazingly this is this is what's so great man we have that i have that answer for you yeah like that little setup there uh our top showdown plays tool for DraftKings and fanduel shows the probability that they are going to be the top score uh the probability that they will be within the two through six range so the utility or the two or the two through five range if you're on fanduel so what do you think the probability is that Devontae Adams is the top scorer overall on the day? 30%. Very close. 35%. I'm not the surprised. Probability that he is two through six is 46.9. Now, someone might look at that and be like, that seems low. Yeah, but that's not including the number one spot. So when you're taking... The top scoring uh, probability and the two through six spot, 
those numbers are, are, are downright absurd. It's true. And I mean, this is part of the reason why I think just playing him is the best move. I think he'd have to get hurt to not end up in the optimal. What are you doing with Aaron? Yeah. What are you doing with Aaron Rodgers? I'm just eating him too. I think like, man, even playing him and Nick Mullins in the same lineup is super affordable and we get the better implied team total on this side. I think there's more merit to fading Aaron Rodgers than Devonte Adams, just because the target share is so condensed there. So when you look at them, Aaron Rodgers is throwing, let's say for example, 250 yards. Devonte Adams target share is so high that he likely eclipses hundred yards in that scenario. And he's going to be the optimal captain over Aaron Rodgers. So I think I'm more likely to fade Rodgers, but again, I'm probably not going to fade either. Okay. Let's wrap up the Packers side of the ball. We got to Rodgers. We talked to Adams. Uh, if anyone's just joining now, you can feel free to go start from the beginning. But uh, Alan Lazard traveled to San Francisco, but he still uh, he still hasn't been activated as far as we know. So we don't know if he's actually going to play. We'll find out soon. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Aaron Jones seems like a legitimate game time decision here. If the, in the event that he doesn't play, you're getting Tyler Irvin. I would expect him to be on the field more, but also to see Dexter Williams worked in. Uh, it's so ugly. So let's close it out with this. If Alan Lazard doesn't play, or even if he does, are there any, you know, tertiary options in the passing game that you want to get to? Is Robert Tunyon in play for you? Is MVS in play? Do you say, you know what? Maybe I'll take a shot on Equinemius St. Brown or Jay Sternberger. These are the questions that need to be answered today, Matt. Yeah, and your low-risk contest, I think you ignore them. If you're playing the Millie Maker tonight, I think you definitely need to consider them. If Alan Lazard is out, Marquez Valdez-Scantling is going to function as the number two receiver for Green Bay. His targets have steadily declined. Four straight games, they've dropped, but he's still seeing a ton of air yards, 30% of those. And he was still on the field a lot last week. 82% of dropbacks, he was out there running a route. Highly inefficient. I think there is a chance that he slowly starts to come off the field more for someone like Equinemius St. Brown. Equinemius St. Brown, his route share climbed to 39% last week, had three targets, but he dropped two of them. Aaron Rodgers was absolutely not pleased with Equinemius St. Brown last week's game. And then, I mean, after that, like Robert Tunyon's in a direct timeshare with Jay Sternberger. When Sternberger's active, Tunyon's running about 50 to 60% of the route. Sternberger's out there for the rest, about 30 to 35%. They've both been targeted heavily, and this is not something that Rodgers has done a lot in his career. But Sternberger, he saw four targets last week. Tunyon saw seven. I think if you're just looking for contrarian plays that will be low-owned, these guys fit the bill just because of how much ownership we see on Adams, Rogers, potentially Jones. All right. Wow. Final thoughts on Green Bay. Top options here. We know Devontae Adams is one of them. Uh, and just from an overall lineup construction standpoint, outside of Adams, is there anyone that you think is, is a must or close to a must play? I think Aaron Rodgers... Aaron Jones and Adams are all must plays if they're all active. I think the one that gives you the most leverage in the captain spot is Aaron Jones if he's active. 
But again, that remains to be seen. If Jones is out, we're just going to see even more ownership coming on on Adams and Rodgers. Yeah, I, I totally agree that you have to be looking at Jones in the captain spot if in the event that he's active and not on a snap count and, and not expected to be limited. Would there be any merit at all? You know, we got to unearth that, or we got to, you know, leave no stone unturned here with such a small slate, with a single game slate. We got to touch on everything. Uh, and strategy sometimes is more important than just saying, yeah, he's a good play, he's not a good play, whatever. Uh, would there be any merit to to captain spot, throwing someone like Tyler Irvin in the captain spot if Aaron Jones is inactive or anyone outside of Rodgers, Jones, and Adams uh, do they, do any of them deserve to be in a captain spot in, in obviously large field tournaments? Yeah, they do. And it's because of the leverage they provide. So in the event, Aaron Jones is out. Tyler Irving will be on the field a solid amount. He'll probably split some time with Williams, but if Irving catches five or six balls, finds the end zone once he's the minimum price. So you're going to find roster constructions with him and all of the other studs around him. That could be an avenue to getting you to the top. Again, Irving is likely going to be nearly unowned in the captain spot. So you get Irving, you jam all your studs around him, and then maybe you play one other semi-contrarian player, and you could have a leveraged, unique lineup. I thought the same thing. Now, there's also a possibility that you just get crushed, right? But Well, you know that going in, right? Exactly. Exactly. But that's sometimes the, the decisions you have to make. And, and in showdowns, I do that a lot. So Tyler Irvin has multiple targets in three straight games that he's played, at least. Um, actually, I guess... He, did he not play well th that he's actually been on the field for? Because I think there were a few games where he didn't see a single snap. Uh, ultimately, it could be it, it could be worthwhile. And it's it's scary. But if you're MMEing, I think having a few of those could could make sense for sure. Uh, Equinemius St. Brown, too, was somebody that could have had could have endeared himself to Aaron Rodgers last week. And found a way to not do that. Drop uh, a, a couple passes that would have been really big. And I don't know. My, if Alan Lazard comes back, it's over for him anyway. You want to talk about the 49ers? Let's do it, man. Let's talk about the 49ers. We got a lot to get into here. Hit that thumbs up if you haven't done so yet, guys. And subscribe to the channel. Uh, help us grow the channel. If you like the channel, if you like the shows, uh, subscribe. Show some love. And you'll always know when our new shows are coming up. So San Francisco 49ers at home opened at three and a half point dogs. They're now seven and a half point dogs, seven points, depending on where you're looking at it. The total dropped from 52 to 48. They are down George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, Jimmy Garoppolo, Raheem Mostert on the IR, Debo Samuel, Jeff Wilson, Kendrick Bourne, um, is Jordan, I think, I think, is Jordan Reed back yet? He's in the same situation as Lazard. Okay. So Jordan Reed might not be back either. I mean, unbelievable. Even if you, you I'll even take it further. Uh, I, I got, you, you look at some of these cheap guys too, that, that are sidelined. Um, Richie James, like they don't have anybody, which leads me to the first question, Matt, what the hell are you doing with the pass catching the wide receiver core, the, the tight end position, for the San Francisco 49ers. Please take as much time as you need. Well, we have the wide receiver one. So the de facto wide receiver one, Trent Taylor is $400. So wow. he is another one of these min price guys that he's going to see significant opportunity 
for sure, without a doubt. We have questions about Tyler Irvin and Dexter Williams. We do not with Trent Taylor. He's only played 164 snaps this year. 119 of them have come in the slot. He's seen 16 targets, nine receptions, 77 yards. That is the most out of any pass catcher on the 49ers that we know for a fact is going to play. If Jordan Reed is active, he will have eclipsed Trent Taylor. But we still know Trent Taylor is going to be essentially on the field for 100% of the routes, running a lot of them in the slot. And he's nearly the minimum. I think he's the avenue that opens up all this ownership for Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones, Aaron Rodgers. And I think he's the preferred play down there. With that said, we have a bunch of other receivers near the mid-price, too, that could see some opportunity. I think the wide receiver, too, if active, is Richie James dealing with an injury of his own. He's appeared in three games for San Francisco this year, primarily playing on the boundary, but he's usually just a special teams guy. So he's only played in the event of previous injuries. Only 11 routes for Richie James this year. I mean, he's a, if you want to go back to college production, he was a dominant player at Middle Tennessee State, had two 1,000-yard seasons before an injury ended his his junior season, but an athletic kid ran a four, four, eight, 40 yard dash. I mean, you could look to him. If Richie James is out and we have Trent Taylor as the wide receiver one, I'm pretty sure river Craycraft is going to be the wide receiver two. That's what I'm seeing too. Trent Taylor, uh, Trent Taylor should at least be able to, um, to avoid Jair Alexander, right? I, I think Alexander's played like 10, 11 snaps in the slot this year. That's pretty beneficial because, one thing we've seen, and by the way, you want a, a crazy, not even a statistic, but just a crazy tidbit here. The 49ers will not have a single pass catcher on the field this or tonight that they did in either game, either big win against Green Bay last year, Matt. Not one. So it's, uh, it's so crazy. I don't even know if, I don't even think McKinnon was healthy in those games. So it's just, it's, it's outrageous that, the amount of turmoil this team has gone through and is still somehow sitting at four and four, but I digress with Taylor. Do you like the fact that green Bay has been beat up in the middle of the field this year, knowing that Alexander has really just locked down quality wide receivers. He hasn't faced a ton of elite number ones, but in all of the opportunities he's had to prove that he's one of the best, he has done. So it does feel like the middle of the field is one spot. They've been beaten up. Uh, You can look at, Rob Gronkowski and, and, and a number of other examples going back to even Randall Cobb, who almost had, he had nine for 90 and a few others that I can't think of as Trent, Trent Taylor being the de facto number one seems absurd, but you might get a game from him where he has like seven for 65. I I don't know if I, I expect him to break off any like long chunk receptions Hopefully he can operate after the catch a little bit, but it is really beneficial that he's someone that operates mainly in the middle of the field. For sure. I I wonder if they're just going to stick Jair Alexander on the number one, regardless of where he lines up. It's, I mean, I have no idea whether they will or not. It's just such a depleted pass catching core. Like what do you really get by putting him on Richie James? What do you get by putting him on river Craycraft? He's, he's going to guard somebody. I don't know who it is. What do you get for putting him on Trent Taylor though? Honestly. You're right. It's a valid question. And I'm not 100% sure. I'm Me also either. not convinced that any of these guys absolutely locks down the starting wide receiver position. I think it's conceivable we see Richie James in a timeshare with Craycraft. And I mean, like Kevin White's on this team. Like Kevin White could play some snaps. He's actually played more than River Craycraft to this point. 
there's a weird thing with the practice squad players this year. It's a new rule. You teams can do something called flex a practice squad player where they essentially remain on the practice squad, but they can go to the active roster for a game. It's a, a COVID situation thing, but you're only allowed to do this twice. They've done it twice already with Kevin White. So they'd actually have to promote him to the active roster if they want him to play tonight. I don't know if they're going to, but he hasn't caught a pass since 2018. I mean, like, this is rough. It is so bad. And again, though, what it comes down to is when you look at some of the prices on these players, River Craycraft is uh, $200 minimum salary. Trent Taylor is minimum salary. So the number one and number two receivers on the, the 49ers are at or right around minimum salary. Kevin White, minimum salary. Uh, Richie James, also $200 minimum salary. I've never seen this before in a showdown slate. I don't think I have either. So one thing I want to get your take on, San Francisco doesn't run a lot of 11 personnel anyway. They're one of the, I guess, lightest 11 personnel teams in the NFL, and it's because they have Kyle Juszczyk. Kyle Juszczyk's on the field a lot. He doesn't really touch the ball much himself, but they run a lot of this like 12 person, or excuse me, not 12, 21 personnel, which is a two running back, one tight end, two wide receiver set. I think some of these guys we probably don't even need to consider like outside of maybe Craycraft, like looking at Kevin White, Chris Fink's another player who's not even in the player pool, but he could be active tonight. I just don't think you need to get to those players because even though Juszczyk's not doing anything himself, he'll be on the field. I, I agree with that. So of the pass catchers, who do you like most? And how many of them do you think is appropriate to get into lineups? Like, do you really need to start? Let me give you an example here. If you have Devontae Adams, Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones in a lineup, okay, and, and I'm putting Adams in the captain spot. I just want to see what we get here. And then you throw Trent Taylor in there at $400. Amazingly, unless you wanted to play Nick Mullins, and even if you did, you can still do whatever you want. You can do pretty – if I threw Nick Mullins in here, okay, and I said, you know what, I think you're going to get some opportunity for them to pass the football. You still have $1,000 to get in one of these other cheap players. Or if you said, you know what, I don't want to go with Mullins, I want to go with Hasty at $7,200, then you still have $3,000. That's with Adams in the captain spot, Aaron Jones in the utility, uh, Aaron Rodgers in the utility, and the – "Quote unquote number one receiver and Trent Taylor also in the utility spot with Jermichael Hasty. You can do whatever you want on this slate. It, I think it makes the ownership game want to be especially cognizant of because you can play whoever you want and and with that, like we've mentioned before, you're just going to see so much ownership on the the studs at the top. So be cognizant of who you're captaining. Be cognizant if you're captaining Adams, Jones, Rogers. How are you getting different? Trent Taylor is probably going to be widely owned just because he's the avenue to opening the slate. So, I mean, he's the same prices essentially as Richie James, River Craycraft, Tyler Irving. Maybe you just play one of those guys instead, and that's your contrarian approach. Yep. Do you think, and, and obviously Aaron Jones' status, Alan Lazard's status, they're going to loom large leading up to Locke. Like you said, live before Locke starts at eight or 720 Eastern. Be sure to be there. Uh, I believe it's Alex Baker and Kyle Dvorak tonight. I'm um, I'm scratching my head at the roster construction on all of this. Ross Dwelly, 4,800. That seems a bit excessive, but I'm wondering if maybe having to, to maybe having to pay that much for him 
is going to bring his ownership down. And it appears that it will only 18% ownership. Maybe that's one way to get a little bit different here. Where do you stand on, on him? Jordan Reed's active. I'm not as interested, but I'm just going to assume that he's out because Jordan Reed's always hurt, but yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. If it, so assuming the inevitable that Jordan Reed is hurt, Rostowelli slides in like one for one for George Kittle. He's a fraction of the player that George Kittle is, but he's on the field a ton. And even last week with Kittle exiting early, Rostowelli had four targets. We saw him actually play a significant role down the stretch last year. He ran a run on 67% of dropbacks in just a partial game last week. He's going to be on the field a ton. The price, it's not really worth it considering we have Trent Taylor near the minimum but again, we need to play the ownership game here. If you want a player that's on the field a lot, pass catcher directly attached to Nick Mullins, a team that's going to be trailing and throwing the ball, Dwelly fits that mold and he will be contrarian. It's exactly what I was thinking too. Um, moreover, he had two of those targets inside the 20, one of them inside the 10 that went for a score. So not afraid to look to him in the end zone. Your thoughts on Nick Mullins? Nick Mullins hasn't actually been bad in spot duty. So we have just a small sample with Mullins, but I went and looked at his career stats. 65.9 completion percentage. That's the exact same completion percentage that Aaron Rodgers has this year. 8.4 yards per attempt. That's extremely good. It's in a very small sample, just 372 passes. But I think the main thing to think about with Mullins is that he's competent. He's not Danucci. He's not tanking the offense. He can deliver the ball to Trent Taylor, Ross Dwelly, whoever it may be. So I think maybe it's not Mullins you want to play by himself because he's a little bit cost prohibitive, not that it matters on this slate, but I think you can confidently look to some of these ancillary pass catchers for San Francisco and put them in your lineup and feel good about it. All right. So I've been waiting all show to talk about this, which is why I figured we'd hold off to the end because I think this could be the pivotal, this could be the linchpin in putting together quality lineups or getting blown up. And this is the San Francisco 49ers rushing game. Let me, let me lay this out for you, Matt. I'll, I'll give you my line of thinking, okay? If Ready. their defense holds up enough and you have some, in some form or fashion, a neutral game script, uh, I, I, maybe a positive game script, but let's just assume it doesn't get too far out of hand. You know that Shanahan is going to look to run the football excessively. We saw what Dalvin Cook did last week. Uh, four total touchdowns, three of them on the ground. A monster rushing game in his first game back after being sidelined a couple of weeks. We know that this is green, the Green Bay Packers' primary weakness, their ground game, their defense. They really struggle to limit opposing run games. San Francisco leans on the run heavily. Last year, no one had more running back carries uh, than, than the San Francisco 49ers. The only team that ran the football more was the Baltimore Ravens because of Lamar Jackson. So when I look at this team, and if I'm trying to play out the story, a narrative here, it might be a little bit different from the from the the public's popular opinion if it stays remotely close green bay traveling out west they've got some injuries too if it stays close i think to michael hasty could be one of the best overall plays on this entire slate that might be a stretch i get it or in this entire game but the the, the kid is actually pretty decent and as far as like a pure rusher goes I think he's better than McKinnon. And if it's close, there's no reason to try and get away from the passing or from the running game, especially if it's working. What are your thoughts on the run game for the San Francisco 49ers? 
I like it. I'll play devil's advocate for a second here. I think there are concerns. San Francisco is down three starting offensive linemen. They've been without Ben Garland for a while now. They've also been without Weston Richburg the entire year. But Trent Williams, he's another guy that went on the COVID reserve list. He's probably their best offensive lineman. Does that matter against Green Bay's just paper mache run defense? Probably not. Green Bay's run defense is without Kamal Martin, one of their better linebackers. So maybe this is a wash. I think we do have a timeshare between Hasty and McKinnon. Hasty's not a pass catcher. McKinnon, that's very much his strong suit. And so I don't know what McKinnon did to get in Kyle Shanahan's doghouse, but he certainly has. Still, he ran a route on 47% of dropbacks compared to 27% for Hasty, with far out targeted Hasty as well. I am a little hesitant on Hasty's talent overall, but I think he's going to play significantly here. I think game script is going to heavily weigh into who plays more. No question about it. But if it's a neutral game script or even to somehow a positive game script, a lot, a lot of people probably hear me say that, Matt, and scoff, right? They laugh. Oh, that's not possible. Well, you know what? None of us thought it was possible last week that Tampa Bay would be playing from behind for two-plus quarters, and they did. Uh, and Wayne Gallman ended up actually being serviceable. So it, these things happen. It's it's the NFL football or it's the National Football League. The level of parity is through the roof. Crazy things happen. Uh, so I, I'm I'm willing to look at every possible scenario. I'm willing to, to assume that things can unfold differently, maybe than we suspected. And if that is the case, I know we have slightly differing opinions here. You bring up great points on the offensive line, but. Uh, it, Nonetheless, I still think that they will do what they can to get the football uh, to somebody like Hasty in the event that it's close. If not, he probably gets phased out and you live with it. But if if so, you might see a, a very heavy volume game from him. Close the game out for us, Matt. What else do you have for the San Francisco 49ers that we haven't touched on yet? One last thing with Hasty. He hasn't been a pass catcher to this point. I don't think it's something that he can't do. So he was a very mediocre college runner, and actually his strength when he was at Baylor was catching the ball, which is really interesting to see him play the exact opposite role in the NFL. The guy had three straight years of at least 25 receptions, and he was in a three-way timeshare, so he very much profiled as that third down back at Baylor. McKinnon, for whatever reason, just has not impressed Kyle Shanahan, so I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility for Hasty to start assuming some of that work. Again, very small sample with Hasty to this point in his career. He's a practice squad player. So maybe he can handle more of the work there. As far as the rest of the 49ers, I mean, I think it's all going to depend on what you do with these min price receivers. Like, do you get away from Trent Taylor in the just the event to be a little different and play like Craycraft or Richie James or someone else on this roster? It's just a tough situation. And I think ownership is the most pivotal thing to consider. Okay. And for anyone saying there's no chance this game isn't a blowout, obviously most of us assume that it will be a blowout, but the, the the Tampa Bay Bucks were double-digit favorites, Matt, against the Giants. And that game, they played from behind for more than half. The Philadelphia Eagles were 10.5-point favorites against the Cowboys. And while they ended up covering, they were also playing from behind for a large stretch of that game, what was a neutral game script throughout almost the entirety of it until the sack fumble returned for a touchdown late in the game. So these are the last two primetime games that you and I have talked about where the teams were double-digit favorites and ended up playing either from behind or in a neutral game script for the large majority of those games. Dude, the Giants had a chance to tie that game on the final play that looked like a pass interference. Both of those games 
were, were very, very close. Uh, they were ugly games, but they were close. And both of those teams that, that ultimately won were huge favorites, but did not look like it on the football field. That's the only point I'm making here. Yeah. Showdown, anything can literally happen. It's, I mean, so many bounces. I think like the Millie maker going into the last play of the game last week, I, I can't remember what he dropped to, but I think he went down to like $400 in the last play. Like these little impact plays matter so much. All right. Um, Kyro, you guys are the same people. I don't know. You, you are the same people who took Dalvin Cook at 10% last week. I ain't trusting y'all on running backs. I would think that would mean you should trust us on running backs, but I guess not. We both played a lot of Dalvin Cook. I know. We talked about him all week. Okay. I I actually don't know what that means, but that's all right. Hey, if you haven't checked out our matchup show, it's coming up next. Uh, It's awesome. Matt Savoca and myself going game by game for week nine, all 11 of them, breaking each one down one by one. It's a marathon show. It's a lot of fun, but there's no better show to get you prepped for the week nine slate. Coming up at 11 Eastern, 12 minutes from now. And then, Matt, you and Kyle Dvorak have the FanDuel strategy show coming up, which is extremely helpful to people that are looking to get their uh, their, their FanDuel lineups in. What time are you guys going live? 2 p.m. Eastern time, FanDuel-centric show. Okay. And uh, to close this one out, 720, Alex Baker, Kyle Dvorak. It's the NFL Showdown Live Before Lock show. Appreciate you guys hanging out with us every single day. It's always a lot of fun. We got a lot more coming up throughout the day. Subscribe if you haven't done so yet. Hit that thumbs up and good luck tonight. Matt and I will see you back here Monday morning for the NFL Strategy Show. Very special guest, so be sure to tune in. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.